welcome to this week's edition of What Did I Just Hear, a follow-along podcast for Trinity UMC's CrossConnect service. Before we can discuss what we heard from the sermon, first we have to hear the sermon. If you have already listened to this week's sermon, please feel free to skip ahead. Otherwise, please enjoy this clip from this Sunday's morning service. Today, we are continuing in the story, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and others may not, so just to make sure, we are um, taking 31 weeks walking through uh, the story, which is the scriptures, put in a slightly different format. It is set up in chronological order, also set up like a novel, so we are getting to read and encounter the scriptures in a slightly different way, and our prayer through all of this is that we are finding our story in God's story and that we are um, experiencing the scriptures in a way that we never have before. And today we are in chapter 6, which is entitled Wandering. And this is uh, kind of the context of this is uh, Pastor Mitchell last week took us to Mount Sinai uh, the, after the exodus. Uh, the Lord led the people of Israel to, uh, to Mount Sinai where the law was given, kind of this ha- how they were to be God's people in relationship with God, the Ten Commandments and, and kind of some context that goes with that, creating this covenant community, what this covenant people would look like and act like and how they would be set apart from other nations and other peoples and the ways of the world. And and so our story continues, the story continues uh, here where God has lifted up the pillar of smoke and has started to move. They've been there for a little over a year, uh, hanging out and getting God's word and understanding it. And, And now God is on the move, carrying them to the promised land. Um, And what I want to tell y'all before we get into exactly what happens is I want y'all to know that this chapter, maybe more than any other chapter thus far, has been convicting me. Oh my goodness. Like I read this and I don't know how many times I read this. And every time God was saying, are you listening? Can you hear these words, Carrie? Because they are for you. Um, so I'm very close to this this chapter this week. Um, it's been yelling. It, I mean, like sometimes the word of the Lord is quiet and we have to, you know, be still to hear it. I have been, uh, it has been screaming, screaming at me this week. So I, I'm very convicted as I stand before you right now. Uh, because as this story continues, uh, as they begin this journey, uh, they have been taken from slavery and Again, called to be God's people and, and given, you know, special care and special uh, commandments. Manna and water have been provided for them. Everything that they've needed has been there. And then now this promise that has been talked about from generation to generation to generation, this land that is being given to these people, God has said, I am moving for you to follow me to this land that I have promised. I mean, they are about to get the land flowing with milk and honey. They are about to get the blessings of God poured out upon them. And what do they do? They complain. 
They are impatient. They grumble. They quarrel. Story after story after story. Again, they are headed towards the promised land. And they keep whining. And they keep saying, well, God, if this, and if only that, and, I, you know, just if, if we just had this. Or they get to a certain part of the story and, and you know, well, we should, just, we should just go back. You know, why did God bring us here? Why, why did we have to leave Egypt in the first place? Well, we were enslaved in Egypt. And we cried out and asked for help in Egypt. And God responded and made amazing and wonderful things happen to get you out of slavery. And now you're free. But, but I mean, they had cucumbers and melons and onions and garlic. And, yeah, it made our breast ink. But, man, it made the food good. And they had pomegranates. They had grapes. All that stuff. They had meat. I mean, meat, come on. And all we've got is this terrible old manna. Can't we just go back? If only we had this. If only we had that. It was better there. God just should have left us there. And God's just brought us out in this wilderness to kill us. Or God's brought us to this, this tension in, with another people just, just to kill us. And again, y'all, I mean, it is one after another after another. I don't know if you've read it. But I mean, it is one after another after another. Complaining, grumbling, whining, being impatient, not seeing what God is doing. And what the Lord was showing me as I read this again and again and again, because it can be easy to say, oh, Israel, like, they are just so terrible. And, I mean, why didn't they just do what God said? But what God kept saying, God kept putting me right here in front of this mirror. And this scripture, every single time, was me, God saying, Carrie, are you looking at yourself? Are you looking at your life? Are you listening to the words of your mouth and the words of your heart? Do you see that Israel is you? And all this impatience and all this complaining and all this quarreling, that's you. That's you, Carrie. That's what God's been saying to me all week long. That's you, Carrie. And so God has been calling me, and, and, and I believe calling all of us, to look in that mirror and, and to check our perspective. To check what we are seeing when we look at our life. When we look at the circumstances, when we look at the situations, when we look at what's happening to check our eyes, to check our heart. Again, we can walk through this life if only. If only I had this. 
If only this would change. If, if only this job or this house or this kid or this parent or this coworker or this situation or this bank account, if only that out there would change. If only that were different. And, and, and what, what happens to us and what happens to the people of Israel is, is we go through this pattern of constantly, if only, if only. This pattern of, of complaining and, and grumbling and being impatient and, and quarreling with God and with ourselves and with each other. And what ends up happening is this land, because what happens is they get to the promised land and they send 12 people in, one from every tribe. They go in for 40 days and 40 nights. We hear that a lot, a long time, right? 40 days and 40 nights and they scout out the land and they go look and see what all's there. And they come back with all this fruit. I mean, produce of the land, big grapes. And they talk about, yeah, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's, it's great, but, but man, there's, there's some really big people. I mean, they're strong and their cities are strong. And you know what? We can't do this. We can't go. We can't enter into this promised land. And, and, and so they get scared and then they start complaining about God. Again, you brought us here, you know, out of Egypt and through this wilderness just to get killed by all these people because they're big. They're going to smush us. We're like grasshoppers to their giants. They're going to take our kids and take our wives and, and just plunder all of us. We're going to, you know, why God? Why God? Why God? They're standing on the edge of God's provision. They're standing on the edge of God's blessing. And they can't see it. They can't trust it. They can't receive it. Because their eyes and their mouths and their hearts are filled with if only. With complaining and grumbling and impatience quarreling, with thinking that God would do it one way and should have done it that way, right? Because the way I want it done, I mean, of course, that's the best way. And yet God did it this way. And so we miss entering into that promised land, and they did too for 40 more years, wandering in the wilderness have you ever felt like you were wandering in the wilderness where you're just going through life? You know, maybe in your job or in your marriage or, or in your, um, just the state of being. And you just feel like you're wandering. And it's, it's dry and it's empty and it's hard. Right now. And this chapter, again, has sent me right here. Right here. That wilderness, it's my doing. 
is my doing. Because my mouth, my eyes, my heart are filled, if only. Gosh, if only. If only. If only. And that gets toxic pretty quickly. And it's not just toxic in here, but it starts to flow out of us. So that in every word, every action, every deed, if only. If only. If only. Thanks be to God that even in the moments of refining fire, because we get a little bit of that, uh, in the moments of uh, th- there's when they're complaining about the meat and God says, you want some meat, I'm going to give you some. Not just one day, not just two days, not just ten days. You won't get meat for a whole month. You're going to have so much this coming out your nose, God says. And then they get it in their mouth. And, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say that part. They get it in their mouth and God says, oh, no, we're going to take this out. Like they get sick. They get a plague, you know. And, I mean, sometimes that happens. Right? Because we get so stuck in all this stuff, right? That, that there's consequences to complaining all the time. There's, there, there's consequences. In, in the, you know, I mean, if I'm constantly complaining to my husband, like, eventually, like he starts off compassionate and patient. But if all I bring him is negativity, all I bring him is complaining, like eventually he's going to shut down. And he's going to be like, whoa, Carrie, you got to check this. You know, like there's some consequences there. It divides us from one another. It divides us from God. Not because God has left us, but because we're doubting God and putting barriers between us and God. Right? So, so we see this happening again and again. And it kind of culminates to this point where, where they're complaining um, just generally. Right? And, and they have asked for things and... and you know, just putting it out there. God, why did you do this? And if only you had done that and blah, blah, blah. And so finally, God sends snakes among them in the midst of their complaining. And, and some of them get bitten by snakes. And they cry out to God as they always do, please help us, you know. And so, so God says, okay, I'll help you. And what he does is he tells Moses to put this snake um, and like a bronze snake on the top of his staff. And he says, if, if people are bitten by the snake, and we remember maybe what the snake represents, these snakes of temptation, these snakes of wanting us to do it our own way instead of God's way. So, so put this snake up on the top of a staff and look at it. And if you look at this snake, then you will be healed. And what I hear God doing in that is God is saying Stand in front of the mirror. If you want to be healed, if you want to be saved, if you want to be freed from this toxicity of complaining, then you got to look that thing in the face. you got to see where our perspectives have gotten off to acknowledge that, that we're not trusting who God is. That we are not content with what God has given us in the moment. And because of that, we're getting bitten 
by snakes all the time. Temptations are coming at us all the time. And we are eating them up. So we gotta, we gotta look in the face of the snake. We've gotta look in the mirror. And we've gotta acknowledge our part in this. I've gotta acknowledge my part in this. Where my perspective has gotten off. Where I don't see and remember what God has done. Where I'm not walking in faith of, of who God is and the call that he has given me in his path, which sometimes is filled with milk and honey and sometimes is filled with manna and water. To kind of hit this point home, I'm going to use Moses' words instead of mine because his are better than mine. The Bible even says, like, no one was as humble as Moses. So we're going to use his words. All right, Moses, this is, um, these are selections from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, some of it will be Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 8. And it is all on page 85 in the story, if you're reading along. Uh, at the, this is at the end of Moses' life. They have wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, and they are back at the promised land. The second chance, will they enter? Moses gives this amazingly wonderful, powerful speech, and this is part of that as he is speaking to the people of Israel. He says, acknowledge and take heart this day that the Lord is God. In heaven above and on earth, there is no other. Keep God's decrees and commands which I'm giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God gives you for all time. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up all the time. And remember, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. What Moses said to the Israelites and what God is saying to us today, myself included, is let's, let's check our perspective. Let's, let's check where our eyes are focused. Is there a lack of, of trust in God? A lack of faith that is there? H have we forgotten what God has done 
for us as individuals in the past? Have we forgotten what God has done through the ages for us? Have we forgotten Jesus and what he did for us on the cross? Have we forgotten that? The, the power and the movement and the miracles of God at work on our behalf. Have we forgotten? So that we are not moving forward in faith. And have we gotten, have we gotten a little stingy? Have we gotten a little whiny? Have we gotten a little complaining? Have we gotten to where we can't be content? And we're not grateful for what we have. Whoever you're sitting here with today, it might be a spouse, it might be a kid, it might be a friend, it might be somebody you don't really know. Um, but whoever it is, will you look at that person? Look at that person. Have you been complaining about them lately? Yeah. Have you been quarreling with them lately? Today I want to encourage you to look at that person a little differently. I want you to thank God for that person. I want you to thank God for bringing them into your life and, and being with you in life. And I want you to think of whatever it may be that you have been missing about that person that has made our perspective be complaining and quarreling and ask God to show you something different and not just with your the person who's with you in worship today there's something else you know maybe it's it's your situation with your kids or maybe it's your situation at work or maybe it's the situation of, of your health or you know the pieces of your life whatever it may be you know you know what it is you've been complaining about. You know what you've been texting your friends about or, you know, when you have those moments where, let me just tell you what they did, you know, like those, those moments. Or the things that you've been up in God's face saying, why, why, God, why is this happening? That moment, that thing, whatever it may be, Look in that mirror. Look that snake right in the face. And ask God to let you see differently. To have a different perspective. To be able to remember and see God's presence in the midst of that. To be thankful for what is in front of you. And ask God how to help you move forward. Because the truth is, when we walk in step with God, when God is providing manna and water, when God is providing milk and honey, when we walk in step with God, our clothes do not wear out. Our feet do not swell on the journey. Everything that we need 
will be provided. We will lack nothing. Now, does that mean we get everything we want? No, nor are we supposed to. I will tell you, being um, a mommy has helped me see myself (laughs) in a different light and has helped me appreciate God's patience so much more. Because the thing is, I don't give my kid everything that he wants or everything that she wants, but he's the one that, you know, big time, like, I mean, he wants to watch TV 24 hours a day. He wants to eat candy and chocolate with every meal. You know, he wants to never sleep. I hate sleeping, you know? And then there are moments where he will look at me when we say no, and he'll say, you're such a mean mommy. I hate you. And, you know, sometimes we do that to God, right? But God gives us what we need, and sometimes what we need is manna. Sometimes what we need is water. And you know what? Sometimes what we need is that cucumber and the melon and the pomegranates and the milk and the honey. But God knows which one we need. And as Moses said to the people of Israel and to us today, acknowledge that God, who God is. I mean, this is the one who created it all. If God can make the cosmos and keep it all happening and the delicacies of every living thing on the planet. I mean, God knows what choice I need to make. But I forget that. I fight that. I complain about that. Remember who God is. Acknowledge who God is. Hear, O Israel, hear the commands of God and do them. Love the Lord and, and let those commands be on your mouth and in every conversation when you sleep and when you rise, always. And remember, remember what God has done. Remember his faithfulness. Remember his goodness. Remember his character. Remember that the Lord has provided for you. The Lord has plans for you that are good. Sometimes there's manna. Sometimes there's milk and honey. But every step we take with God... He will give us exactly what we need every time. So if your heart, if your mouth, if your eyes are like mine, filled with complaining, filled with impatience, filled with grumbling, filled with quarreling, join me. And looking in this mirror, looking that snake in the face. Let God heal you. Let God give you a new perspective of faith and gratitude. And see that when the time is right, the Lord will faithfully lead us into the promised land. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God. Patient God, good, kind God. Your words, your ways, they are truly filled with life. But sometimes it's so hard for us to see that. 
because we get plagued by the curse of if-onlys. Today, Lord, we look straight in the mirror, we look straight at the snake, and we, we confess to you where our faith has fallen, where we have stopped being grateful for what we have because we're always looking at what we want. Help us to trust you. Help us to acknowledge who you are and that your ways, that your ways lead us where we need to go. And God, help us remember Remember your heart. Remember your character. Remember your movement in the grand story and in our story. God, so that we can live into your blessings, so that we can live into your provisions, so that we can live into the promised land. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us even when we forget you. Thank you for loving us even when we're ungrateful. Thank you for loving us enough to help us change. In the name of Christ, amen. Now that you've listened to the sermon, let's dive into this week's episode. Today we're taking on Carrie's October 17th sermon titled, Wandering, but it also could have been titled, If Only. We'll get into that in a little bit, though. I'd like to start off by introducing our guest host, Larry Lowe. Hey guys, thanks for uh, having me here. I'm coming off the bench for John Nevels. Um, I've been a member of Trinity since 1991 and volunteer in many different capacities, so you've, you've probably seen me around somewhere. Cool. Well, welcome, Larry. We appreciate your time and help. Uh, we're going to go ahead and dive in with our 60-second sermon summary, my favorite part of the podcast. Tyler, take it away in three, two, one, and go. All right. So Carrie started off by telling us that she felt particularly convicted by this chapter. It's, it's all about the Israelites uh, wandering through the desert, hence the title Wandering. Um, they're right on the precipice of, of reaching the promised land and uh, that God has provided for all of their needs so far. Uh, but all, they, all they've done is complain. They hate the manna. They want to go back to Egypt because there's fruits and vegetables there and meat. Um, Carrie stood in front of a mirror to illustrate that she saw a lot of herself in the people of Israel and that that's what, uh, that's what was so convicting about this chapter. Um, she told everybody in the audience to check their perspective. Um, and she, she started talking about how things would be better. Um, and if only, which is what Patrick mentioned um, the Israelites, um, when they got to the promised land, they sent 12 scouts in to check, check it out for 40 days. Um, Ten of them told everybody when they came back that there was no way they were going to be able to take over the land because of giants. And then two of them stood up. <laughs> Good try, Tyler. I know it's a lot to cram into a minute. Um, Larry's going to take on the, t- the task and uh, see what we can do here. So, Larry, um, let's take it away in three Two, one, and go. All right. After receiving the Ten Commandments, the pillar of smoke and fire, which is God, started moving and leading the Israelites towards the promised land. 
Rough journey, and pretty soon impatience takes over and the complaining starts. If only we could have meat, melons, cucumbers. If only we could have one of those Saturday night barbecues instead of wandering in the desert. If only I could take a shower. If only he would take a shower. When they got to the promised land, they see the milk and honey, and they see all the inhabitants as giants. Fearing and complaining kick back in. If only we could go back to Egypt. If only, when not held in check, can become very toxic because we start becoming blind to what God is actually doing all around us. There are consequences to constant complaining. Those around you will stop listening and eventually shut down. Even God hit his limit with them. After complaining that they wanted meat, he sent more meat than they could possibly consume, gorged themselves, and ate so much they got sick. And then he sent snakes. He had Aaron make a bronze staff of a serpent. People healed from the snake bites by looking at the bronze serpent in the face. Carrie preached that this is an allergy. Snake, again, representing temptation. If you want to be healed of the toxicity of the... Man, that's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. 60 seconds is uh, not long when you're trying to fit a full full sermon in. Uh, That was a good summary, though. So uh, before we try to finish off the rest of that, let's circle back to the beginning, maybe give a little more context. Uh, Where did this... uh, I know at the start of the sermon, Carrie gave kind of a summary of where we were at at the start of this story um, and kind of going into the beginning of the story. So can anyone kind of help give us that context of... Well, just as we were talking at this point about coming out of Egypt, they've now crossed the Red Sea or Reed Sea and are about to march on to the Promised Land. They've, you know, been given the Ten Commandments now. I think that she said it had been a year at this point, I think it was what she said in the sermon. Yes. And so they've been there, they've been learning. They've taken a whole year to learn these ten different rules. Uh, they're, they're doozies. They you know? are. They Don't are, kill they people. Doozies. That's tough. And so now they've decided, okay, we, we've taken this year, we, we've learned from our mistakes, we got rid of the golden calf that we definitely weren't supposed to have made, and now we're going to start marching towards the promised land. Everybody's you know, ready to go, pretty excited at the very beginning, and then it kind of, like, like with all humans, it kind of tapers off the excitement. Yeah, that's a good summary. So uh, before we dive into the kind of the tapering off, which I think is where we, we're going to have a lot of good discussion here, uh, you said the promised land. So can we just touch base on that again of what we mean by the promised land. Yeah, sure. So with the promised land, we're talking about the land that was promised to Abraham by um, God, the area that the Israel, uh, is present day Israel, Palestine, and on the uh, Mediterranean Sea. And that's where they're trying to get back to. That's the land that was promised to them by God. And they've been taken out of that land and enslaved in Egypt. And now it's tr- time to go and go back to that land. Unfortunately, while they were gone, you know, some other people thought it was really good land, so... The Nephilim. Ne- right. Nephilim. Ne- how, so, how do you say it? Nef- Nephilim? That's no, how we're going to say good. it today? Okay. Right. Close. <laughs> those people. Yep. So, those people who are apparently giants had taken over the land while they were gone. Uh, so, in the time for the trip back, they're all excited of, yeah, we're going to take back our promised land. And as they're going across, their excitement starts to wane. Mm -hmm. Um, Quickly and frequently. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So another uh, circling back to things that people may not know, uh, during this trip, they're being fed manna. Um, I don't think outside of the church context, people necessarily know what manna is. At least for me, I do not think of food when I hear manna necessarily. So can someone explain what manna might be for people who don't know that? It's... It's kind of like a cracker, right? I mean, it's it says uh, it's got olive oil and um, salt and probably flour or something. So they're basically living off uh, saltines. It's like an unleavened bread. Yeah. 
but what didn't didn't it show up in the morning that they yeah. would wake up and they, manna was it was just provided by God. So I don't think it's like ingredients cook and right. voila you got saltines. Yeah. I thought it was you're you're walking along and the it dew. shows up in the dew in the morning, right? right. And then right. it disappears at night. And they talked about it like I kind of imagine like frosted flakes, you know, just just a flake of this <laughs> manna sitting there without the sugar. You know, the good part. I guess that'd be corn flakes. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Right. the ones that nobody likes. Right. The ones that nobody likes. And that's so it's like okay, you are hungry, and that's what and that's. What had preceded it, they had said, you know, God, we are hungry. You've taken us out here in the desert to kill us. They say that a lot. And you've provided us with no food, no nothing. He says, fine, I will give you food. And Yeah, apparently, nutritionally, it was exactly what they needed. Right. But that doesn't matter to them. And I, that you know, it's understandable. When you go on a diet, all you want is the stuff that's not on the diet, right? So <laughs> Melons yeah. and cucumbers and right. cheese, cheeseburgers, right? Yeah, <laughs> cheeseburgers, right. cheeseburgers, exactly. You can only eat broccoli so many times <laughs> before you start to get a little frustrated with it. I think about my dog, too. Used to get so excited when we uh, first got a new type of kibble, and now just turns up its nose at the kibble because it has it every day, and it's like, I want pretty much anything else. And if we drop even something that's like a treat, just a little crumb, goes crazy excited. But the kibble, yeah, I don't want that. I I think it's pretty appropriate, pretty similar here. Humans in general, we we don't do well. Like If you get the same stimulus over and over and over again, the, the positive response to that stimulus goes down. And that's that's shown through psychology and all of those different testing. It's it's very it's sad for us, but it's it's part of our our nature. So yeah, let's let's take that a little further. We can probably relate to how they felt, right? I mean, it's easy as an outsider looking back going, "Oh yeah, they're they're being dumb. They're on their way to the promised land. Like this is some really big good thing for them. Why would they complain?" But I feel like we've all done that. Tyler made a great example with the diet. Like if you're on a diet, you really want whatever's not allowed on that diet probably. Um, can you guys think of any good examples? Can you relate or am I the only one who thinks that thinks that way? Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's how most people think. But the the reason that it's a little more difficult to understand in this context is that God is providing for them, like literally providing for them. I don't go downstairs to my kitchen every morning and open up the pantry and see fresh manna. Like, <laughs> yes, God provides for us, but in a more roundabout way. This is He literally is providing them all of the things that they need. So them complaining in a desert environment where they can't make their own food or farm or, you know, it's unsustainable environment, and he's providing for them. So it's a little harder to understand why they're complaining about him trying to kill them when he's keeping them alive. And I think it's it's an interesting situation that they're in in that they've been told and to a certain extent they believe that something better is coming but kind of like Carrie pointed in the sermon, but they know what it was like before, and they don't have a great context of what a land of milk and honey that is their land is. They have a real good context of, I used to have a house that had, what was it that she kept on talking about? Cucumbers or melons. We had melons, and now we have like little flakes of bread. It's just like, so I don't have to go and build a, you know, a pyramid every day. I'm still walking through the desert. It, it does not seem that we have really traded up in our in our total situation without understanding that something better is coming. I think a common uh, present-day saying I've heard is, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Yes. And I feel like that's kind of how they felt. Of like, well, we know the struggles back there. We didn't know we were going to be um, bored out of our minds, not eating any new food, or feeling like we're about to die or whatever. In a desert. In a desert. <laughs> but 
they also, it's maybe easy to forget, well, I was enslaved and I was all these other things back in Egypt. So I think uh, an, an example that just popped in my, my mind is um, maybe people that are midlife and yet want to go back to school for something, either a graduate degree or something. And it's almost like you do have to go through that restrictive behavior, you know, and and maybe not go out as often or maybe not coach soccer games or volunteer as much as you were because you've got to put your head down and focus for a good two-year window, but then on the other side, you see that promised land, quote-unquote, of the benefits of what that's going to bring. And so, I don't know. I mean, it seems like restrictive behavior can work, um, but yeah, you got to have a goal on the other side, I guess, because, but even in the middle of it, we're all going to complain anyway, right? Right. (laughs) I think that's probably... (laughs) And what's even harder, going to Larry's point there, is like with the graduate degree, you know that if I do all the things that I'm supposed to do, at the end of this, I will get a sheet of paper that says that I graduated, they are going completely on faith here. They're, they, they don't have this, oh, if I do X, Y, and Z, then I get degree. This is, I am really praying and hoping that the God that I believe in is the God that I think that I believe in. And for a lot of them, I mean, 40 years, like some of them didn't make it. Moses didn't make it into the promised land. Right. So that's, that's really hard. I always found that really hard, thinking about the people who trekked for 35 years but then didn't get the last five to... Or better yet, 39. Yeah, there, what was the name of the woman that, that was with them from the start, and then God was like, hold on, we're just going to camp here until she dies, and then we can move on. I can't remember what her name was. That's hard. Sad. Right. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, it, it is interesting, though. It was after year one, they got up to the promised land. They were able, and they sent the scouts out, and they came back yep. with the fruit. And it was, they were almost there after one year. And then God said... You're not faithful. I'm going to send you back out for 40 more years, you know, right? Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah, that I think is probably one of the hardest parts of this chapter is you think about, all right, a year trip, that sounds like a long time, but that sounds doable. Doable. And kind of like the example of like grad school for two years. It's two years of hard time potentially, but it's two years. At the end of it, you've reached your promise and whatever your goal was Mm -hmm. a year. Get there. Okay. But 40 years. It's two generations. Yeah, that, I mean, cl- the, that cleans out two generations people of people. Who, the people who are walking into the promised land have no recollection right. of what slavery in Egypt is like <laughs> at all. They were not the unfaithful ones that didn't go in. Right. They're just angry because they were born into a desert and had to wander for the first part of their life. Sticking with Larry's, <laughs> right. yeah. St- s- sticking with Larry's um, analogy earlier, because I really like it in this context, it's kind of like you got accepted into grad school, and then you decided, no, there's too much, I can't go. And then two years later, you've been reaccepted, and now you decide to go. It's yeah, yeah. It, it's very hard to to believe that you know they're like, oh man, let's do forty more years in the desert. That's got to be better than facing giants. Yeah, I mean that's got to be that's got to be hard. But then you think about we talked about well, what is the promised land? They don't really know. They're going on faith, but they kind of did a little bit because the scout team went in and yep. came out with, hey, look, here's the milk, the honey. Like, they got all this good stuff. They had so much fruit that they couldn't carry it all, right? They, they came back, and they were like, there's so much fruit that we literally couldn't bring you back one of everything. And if we recall, there's only, I forgot, how many scouts did they send out? They sent one 12. for each tribe. Well, okay, so, and so of the 12, there was 11 said we can't ten. do it, and one said we could. There's 10. There was ten that said we couldn't. Ten two. said that they could not. They could not overcome the people that lived there, and two said that they could. Okay. It was Joseph and one other person, Joshua. Joshua. Right? Joshua. I'll say. I remember Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. I think was it? Yeah, it might have been Caleb. 
Yeah, so there were two that said that we can do it, and then 40 years later, who's in charge? Joshua. The, the, <laughs> right, the one who said that we can do this. Briefly forgot that that wasn't rhetorical because this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got to make sure we're all on the same page here and not just uh, assuming people know what's coming. Uh, spoilers, I guess. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll, touch, we'll touch on that some more uh, with the next podcast. And I think it is... It's out of the context of the sermon, but it is important to note from a Christian history standpoint that having the name Joshua being the one leading people into the promised land becomes a really big deal in the New Testament um, as that is the Hebrew name of Jesus would be Yeshua, Joshua. So leading people to God through you know his resurrection. So not something we want to talk about right now, but just the fact that it is Joshua who's leading them into the promised land plays a lot into the Christian um, religion later on. I didn't know that. Oh, really? Me either. That's a, that's a cool little fact right there. So the question would be like, do we not notice God like we should, that God provides for us as he provided for the Israelites. And I would say yes, because a lot of times, like, I don't think about, you know, God is allowing me to get up and get into my car and make my breakfast. Cause the man, my breakfast, as we talked about earlier, does not just appear. I, I have to get up and I have to, you know, open it and it comes magically from Walmart. But, um, it, you don't have this waking up and it's just provided by God. Or you don't notice it. Do you do you ever look backwards though over a long time span and 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 then do recognize maybe where where God had an active hand? I mean, whether it be in in finding finding a spouse or or deciding to get married. I mean, major decisions. I've always kind of looked backwards and said, well, you know, God's been very faithful to me to get me to this point. There's no reason why I shouldn't not believe in the plan, whatever the plan is. You know, I don't know what the plan is, but I'm not going to, I at least acknowledge that God has had, had, a, had a guiding hand into where I am today. And a lot of times when it, you're in that moment, in the plan, it doesn't feel like it. Right. And it's easy to complain and be frustrated because you're not happy about the way things are going, but you may end up at a better end point than where you were at to start. You just didn't understand the process to get there. And that, I think, ties very perfectly with this of the 40 years in the desert not a fun place to be in. 20 years into it, if only, if only, if only, it's easy to be complaining. But the end of it, if they do end up in the promised land, that's a better end point than where they were along the way. And I think it might be easier, too, to remember. So going back, like, from a daily basis, I find it harder. But whenever I do go back and look at I I feel it's easier to remember the crossing the Red Sea than it is the manna that you get every day. Uh, So I, like, we talk about stories I remember, and a lot of times I feel like, man, God, I don't know if you're here for me. Um, whenever I was in PT school, I don't think I've shared this story before, but whenever I was in PT school, um, I got really, really sick, and it was the day of, it was in 2014, so if anybody remembers Snowpocalypse, that was a big thing around here and in Birmingham. Um, I'd gotten really sick the day before Snowpocalypse, and I drove down to UAB and got flu tested. I tested positive for the flu on the day that it happened. I then got in my car with a positive flu test and an order for Tamiflu. And like everybody else in Birmingham, I got stuck and I could not get back to my apartment. I called five hotels. None of them had any openings. 
And I finally had one friend who lived downtown. I was just like, God, please help me. Please help me. And I got him on the phone and I was just like, Hey, can I please stay with you? And he said, Oh my gosh, you won't believe this. My wife and I were just praying that we could help somebody during this storm. And I was just like, well, can you help me? And they said, yes. So they've, and by the way, I have the flu. That's right. a, that's a, that's they, a hard right. ask. <laughs> right. By the way, I have the flu. So they took me in, put me into one of their guest bedrooms and then the next day they went and found a pharmacy that had the pharmacist had literally walked from his house to open up to get me the Tamiflu. And I was the most thankful human being because uh, I was like, I could have been stuck in a car with nowhere to go because there was no way I was getting back to my apartment. And it was like they prayed to help somebody and I prayed for help. And I, I have remembered that forever. Seems like it's easier to see God in the macro when you look backwards, but sometimes stories like that, yeah. they're very clear micro that you can feel it. Too. Yeah, I so like, those are those are special stories, you know, that. I think some of this, as far as getting the food in the micro, it's also harder in our society now than it might have been back then because our food goes through 80 different steps in the supply chain process before it gets to us. Mm -hmm. So our food came out of our fridge, which came from Walmart, which came from blah, 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 blah. Whereas back then, if you are a farmer in the desert, it's hard to farm food in the desert. And whatever food is coming to you, it's a lot easier to give credit to God for, hey, you had a hand in this. This food seemingly magically appeared. Whether you are, as a farmer, actively trying to make it happen or it's just appearing, either way, if it does or doesn't appear, it's a one-step process or a two- or three-step process of like planting something and trying to cultivate it, as opposed to if you are in our current society, yeah. I don't really know where my food came from. I know I went and bought it at Walmart, but I don't actually know where it came from before that. Maybe it's the tedium. Maybe that's maybe that's where they're complaining from. Maybe it's maybe it's not because God's not providing, it's because he's still making them do the work to get it. I don't I don't know. I'm trying to find a reason why somebody somebody could provide for your every need and then you still complain to that person about that thing. It's it's like they're teenagers. Well, well think about this. Uh, the people that went through the Great Depression and, and they probably looked back 20, you know, from that. And they're like, man, you remember the good times before the crash? You know, and, and maybe when you're in a situation, human, human nature is going to want to go back to when things were better. I mean, they were enslaved, but they were getting meat. You know, they're having their barbecues and having and fun. People have selective memory, too. So you always think of the past as better than it actually was because yep. you, That's a great you intentionally forget the bad stuff and right. only remember the good stuff. Right. The bias, you romanticize what it used to be. Right. It's easy to say, oh, I remember this good thing and forget the, oh, but we were also enslaved while we were eating those cucumbers or right. whatever it may be. But those cucumbers... That was a lot better. Really right. Making bricks when they would take the straw away from us and make us go get our own straw. You know, I mean, it, it, Pharaoh was not very nice in the brick making. I mean, no, <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't good times. Right. And so going on a different kind of tangent here, because I think we did talk about this earlier, was why, why did snakes end up? Why did God send snakes? Because that's that, not even my question about the snake part. My question is, why would he give them a commandment that says, don't make any false idols, right. and, and then, then immediately turn an around idol. and say, make an idol that looks like a snake the, that will heal people when they look at it? That was the biggest part of this that stuck out to me. I do like Carrie's take on it. Of She did a good job of explaining it, but it still doesn't fit. I, like, I can't wrap my mind around why 
God would do that. So as a reminder, I don't know that we really got that far in our summary. Oh, yeah. We, so can we, we explain what we're talking about here for any listeners who may be not quite sure what we're talking about? So they get to the point to where they've complained so much that um, God is now like, fine, I'm just going to send a bunch of snakes to um, bite you, basically. And if they bite you, then you have to go to Aaron, who has made a statue, or I guess a snake on a stick, so that you have to look at that snake, and then you will be healed. Well, the, the stick with the snake on it wasn't even part of the original plan. I believe Moses or Aaron had to go to God and be like, could you please provide us some way to heal these people? And he was like, all right, fine. Make a stick with a snake on it, right. and whoever gets bitten will be healed. And Aaron is obviously very good at making things out of gold, because he's the yeah. same one who made the gold calf. He, he accidentally made it look like a snake, right? Right. It wasn't even on purpose. He just melted it down, and it looked like a snake. That's a reference to chapter 5, when he makes the golden calf. Now, let's maybe take it a step further and say, well, what did Carrie say about this? Because I think that was maybe the more interesting part of this. So, you got, yeah. So, Carrie, uh, she, she used it as an analogy, which I thought was an interesting, you know, because it does seem very confusing on the surface level about idols and all this kind of stuff. And, and the analogy that she used was that the snake, again, represents temptation, and that if you want to be healed from the toxicity of if only and the other temptations, you need to look yourself in the eye and look the temptation in the eye. And it's, it's really, it's that analogy of staring that, that snake right in the eye, which is staring your temptation right in the eye. I mean, I think it's one of those things of um, maybe we do have bad habits, but as long as, as we don't really acknowledge them and put words to it, then we can continue with, with our bad habits. But as soon as we put words to something and really call ourselves to the carpet in front of God and everybody else, that you can say, all right, maybe I need to deal with something. So the first step to addressing a problem is acknowledging you have a problem. Right. And... So this was part of the conversation that Laura, Laura's my wife, and I had a conversation about after watching the sermon was, I, I think that that is a great idea that Carrie said, and I think that, that is a great um, metaphor and something that we should learn from. I do not necessarily believe that the people in Israel who are not, you know, really literate, don't have a whole idea of what's going on, who just got bit by a snake and is told to stare at a snake on a stick, really thinks, I'm looking at the sin that I had, and that's, like, I think... Absolutely. It's far too high-level thinking for I was for, like, that is some incredibly high-level thinking in the for desert. what's going on. Yep. Um, and I was just like, I just, I, I, I like it. I like that that's what she talked about. And I feel like that's one of the things that happens a lot in church is we take these things that are really kind of crazy and hard. And we like to say, well, it really makes sense if you think about it from this way. If I get bit by a snake, I am not thinking about the sin that I had. I'm thinking about the snake that just bit me. So yeah. that's just me trying to be a little bit more down to earth because I was like, I'm not, I'm not that high level. I, I'm not that smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I were there, I would struggle to understand that in the moment. I would just concretely go... Step one, I got bit by a snake. Step two, I'm told to go talk to Aaron. Step three, I look into the eyes of this metal snake. Right. Step four, I'm healed. Okay, I can follow that process. It's obviously a very slow-acting toxin. So, Well, then, if all you have to do is look at the snake and be healed, you're not really like asking for forgiveness or repenting of your complaining or anything. You're just looking at the snake and being healed. You could just start complaining again. Like, right. And if I recall, There's no it point to it. It doesn't actually say that, right? I, I don't remember reading it. It doesn't say that you have to repent or nope. say anything. You just look at the just snake. Have to look at it. But I mean, it is God providing a way to be healed. They asked for something, and God provided it. 
he's healing them from something that he is causing, though. So if he had just not sent the snakes, then the healing wouldn't be necessary. That's true. It's, yeah, it's almost like he's solving a problem that he just introduced. It's one of those weird Old Testament things that I. it's just hard for me to fathom what the point of it is. This is one of those things that happens here. It's just like, you've done something wrong. The justification, like, justifying God needs justice. I'm sending snakes to justify what happened. And the grace is, I now give you a snake to get healed. So I get you get grace and justification at the same time. So put your, your mindset into somebody that's reading this for the first time. So let, let's talk about people that might be new to the church, right? And and, and maybe it, we're, if we're going through the story, they they haven't got to the other side of, of the New Testament. So they don't they don't know. It. Okay. And so doesn't you God a great Sunday? Doesn't God just seem like, you know, they're saying, oh, we got to believe in this God, but there are some crazy things going on it's, that it's kind of petulant I right mean, you know if, if i was new to all this i'd be like this god looks really crazy why would why sounds would... like a jerk right exactly no exactly he sounds mean he sounds like a jerk um the other example is that they all want meat right so he's like fine you want meat i'll give you some meat and he sends in so much quail that they're literally drowning in it and he this is this is something that Carrie did not mention in her sermon, but we did get Pastor sent, Carrie. <laughs> Pastor Carrie did not mention this in her sermon, but we got it sent in from. Uh, I'm going to leave the the uh, the sender anonymous, just in case. I don't know if that this person wants to be known. Um, but the Lord drove quail in from the sea and scattered them up to two cubits deep. A cubit is approximately 18 inches long, which is the measurement from elbow to fingertips. So it was approximately three feet deep of quail, and that was within a day's walking distance from the camp in any direction. So it was three feet deep of, three feet deep of quail, a day's walking distance in any direction. And then everyone went out and gathered no less than 10 homers. A homer was a measurement that totaled 220 liters. So think of like 220 Nalgene bottles full of quail. Gross. Per person. Per person. That's... Uh, the Hebrew word homer is very similar to the Hebrew word hamer, which meant donkey or ass. So God essentially gave every person 10 ass loads of quail. So you were not as, hungry. As, a, as his method of being like, fine, you want meat? Here's 10 ass loads of quail. And then what did, what did he do with the quail? He gave them all food poisoning. I mean, so they ate so much that they couldn't keep it down. Yeah, right. It, it was, was coming, coming out, out of their, their nostrils. <laughs> and this is where, like, again, my wife and I were talking about this. I was like, she actually pointed this out. Just like, it almost seems like God is learning, which we know is there's some some issues there. It's just like, okay, so we start off with we create Adam and Eve. That didn't work. We flooded everything and killed everybody. That didn't work. We picked this one group of people. We gave them ten commandments. That didn't work. Well, now we're going to try and you know teach them by you know giving them we're going to go to the very basics we're going to go do good good things happen do bad bad things happen they can't even get that right so it's almost like either god is learning or he's trying to train a rat that he doesn't quite understand how to train or or i go back to the what if sermon that carrie gave where it's like there's so many independent um, people making their own autonomous decisions that god's up there with all the timelines and in order to carry something forward maybe there has to be some weird loops and twists and things that we just can't comprehend but that's the only way out of all these people making their own independent thoughts and to, to keep the timeline going. So I don't know that, you know, go, going back to a previous uh, sermon, um, that's kind of made me think differently about some of these things that we just don't understand, but try it, try trying to uh, guide 
which I guess does make sense when you think about, and we talked about this. No, none event. of this makes sense, but <laughs> well, it, to whenever you talk about like the the weirdness of it, because at this point in history, th- this is the time that creates the the Hebrew nation, and from this point on, like the timelines kind of start moving like more as a group, but like an individual at this point could literally change the way the whole nation goes. Now that would be significantly harder because per the promise, there are as many Hebrews or Jewish people as there are stars in the sky. It's a lot harder to change the whole course of Jewish history. At this point, they had, I think they said, what, 500? So like the size of Huntsville, basically. Right. So they had a Huntsville population. One person makes a decision that can change, you know, or a couple of people do that. That can change the direction of a city or in this case, the entire future nation future of Israel. Nation of Israel. Well, that was a fun realization. <laughs> Seems like a good realization to wrap up on. Uh, so you heard it here on What Did I Just Hear? A discussion of wandering through the desert and many if-onlys. We'll let Carrie close us out with a closing prayer. Are you tired of wandering? Wandering through that wilderness. Remember that it's dry, as dark and as hard as that wilderness may be. God never left Israel. God was with them through the complaining, through the impatience, through the grumbling, through the quarreling, humbling them, teaching them, guiding them, leading them. Until they were ready, ready to walk in faith, ready to walk in gratitude and enter into the promised land. And the same is true. The same is true for you. The same is true for me. The same is true for all of us. God is with you in your wandering, in the struggle, as ugly as you may get. And God may humble you. You may have some lessons to learn. I do. But God sticks with you. And God keeps leading. So check that mirror. Check that snake. And let God change you. Let God guide you. And let God take you into the blessings and into the promises that his way, his steps have. Go in peace and walk with Jesus.